Hey everyone, you're listening to episode number three of the Elysium Project podcast. I'm your host, Brian Johnson. This podcast was recorded June 26, 2018. I first want to apologize. It's been a few weeks since I've recorded an episode. We've been very busy working behind the scenes to get this vision off the ground. That being said, we're finally ready to go again with weekly episodes, as well as upcoming YouTube content and more. One of the things we've been working on in June is setting up our Patreon. If you haven't heard of Patreon yet, it's a crowdfunding platform for episodic content creators such as podcasters or YouTube personalities. We're still working on things, but over the summer we plan to add quite a bit of subscriber-only content on our Patreon channel, including a book I'm working on at this very moment. You can find us on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Elysium Project Podcast. That's www.patreon.com slash Elysium Project Podcast. Or you can also find the link from our website, ElysiumProjectPodcast.com. Okay, today I have one of my most favorite humans on the show. She's someone who came into my life a few years ago, and we've really shared a similar spiritual path. At 22, she was incarcerated in federal prison for drug trafficking and spent the better part of her next six years behind bars. Today, she is living a completely transformed life through Christianity, has reconnected with her source, and dedicates her time to giving back to the community, to those who are in need. Misty Wind, how's it going? Good, Brian. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, totally. Glad you're finally here. Yes. Awesome. So do you want to maybe share a little bit of your, your story and what brought you here? Yeah, absolutely. As you said, uh, I was incarcerated at the age of 22 years old. So I've had a couple of birthdays in prison before. Um, and uh, sort of how my story goes to sum it up in, in just a couple words is from prison to philanthropy. And so I realized pretty quickly um, that I wasn't going to be able to do this myself and that I needed some outside help, which is what brings us to the spirituality part mm-hmm. here. Um, and as you said, I am I'm Christian, so I do um, read my Bible and I go to my church and I love my <laughs> Jesus. And uh, it was during my third period of incarceration that I realized that I really couldn't make this journey all by myself, that I needed a higher power to help me along with it, that my willpower and this own strength alone wasn't going to get me through this consistent, as they call it in correction service, Canada lingo, um, criminal cycle. So mm. I was always being drugged back into the lifestyle that I was living by the people who I was surrounding myself with and other, other elements. Um, it wasn't until... I was sitting on my jail cell floor looking at 7 to 12 years in um, being incarcerated for my third time that uh, I finally just gave my life to God and decided that whatever it was that that God wanted to and some people might subscribe to like the universe whatever it is mm-hmm. that that energy behind us all um, I wanted that to be my guiding light instead of my own you know m- my own thoughts and experiences and moral compass so I was just willing to finally give it all up and give it to God. So when I woke up uh, that morning and went to court, looking at seven to 12 years for my uh, second count of trafficking, 
it was actually my third, but my second count of trafficking officially, that um, I, I, I was given a six-month sentence instead by the grace of God. Mm. So at that point in time, that's when I started to change my life around. Totally. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you want me to continue on with a little bit more of the story. There's, there's a lot to it. <laughs> as, as much as you feel you want to share. I mean, today I kind of just want to, as I shared my f- story in the first episode, um, I think it's really inspiring if the more people who come on, who share their stories, who have been to the bottom, who have been in the place of where they maybe have lost hope or, mm-hmm. or they are right now in that mm-hmm. place. Mm-hmm. And um, I want the reason I want you on today is to share your story just as I did so that people know that it doesn't matter who they are, where they've been. It is possible to transform their life around. Perfect. <laughs> and yeah, speaking about the bottom, Brian, that's so true. Mm. I've been there a couple of times yeah. before. Um, I once wrote a chapter in a collaboration book called Three Times Over, and that's specifically speaking about my three periods of incarceration and um, that those periods each being my bottom and um, the first couple of times, you know, hitting my rock bottom and deciding like by by my willpower alone, I will mm. get out of this. And then, you know, brings me back to the next rock bottom where, you know, by my willpower alone right. and like maybe I'll go to church a couple of times, I'll get out of this. And then, um, you know, it brings me back to hitting rock bottom yet another time until I fully submitted my whole entire life and, and, and self um, to something greater than myself. Totally. And it was at that point in time where I was actually able to um, change my everyday situation, my everyday thoughts, my everyday feelings. It now became about serving others Mm. instead of being self-serving which is uh really the basis of of my faith of christianity and of many other faith faiths out there is that is that people find themselves in serving others um now when i wrote that book three times over i I sort of came up with this it was it was my last period of incarceration in um lethbridge um correctional facility that I, I I looked back at my previous periods of incarceration and 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 the times in between where it was like a roller coaster it was like so many hmm. super high highs and then really devastatingly low lows um and at that point in time I, I realized I'm like you know what like there's so much value in the lessons that we learn and there's so much value in hitting those rock bottoms that we don't even realize is there until you can look at it look back at it in retrospect like i did and see every single time i hit a new low literally I just had to learn from it and brace because the next highest high that was going to come was equally an, an opposite to what that low was. So I, I sat there in my prison cell and I'm like, made up this saying that I now have published in a book that was, the depths of despair one can sink to in life are equal and opposite to the heights of greatness one can ascend to. And I've lived that over and over and over again. Um, and just to give you guys a, a, a different sort of perspective on the, on the same um, saying is that one of my friends who, when we were younger, we were both 
drug traffickers and uh, he ended up falling into addiction and using and that sort of stuff so we've gone through falling outs and various different periods of hanging out not hanging out so in one particular period where we were hanging out a lot he came to me one night and he said you know Misty he's like I just feel like I can't get up I can't stand up every single time I try to get ahead it's like I take one step forward and I'm sure everybody can relate mm. to that and then suddenly a wave hits you and then you're crashed five steps backwards totally. and you just feel like you're not getting ahead in life at all and he was just like he was just like pouring it out to me uh, like looking at me like you're finally making something out of your life and I and 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 like I want to be like that too but like it nothing's happening in the right direction for me. And what I said to him that day that he has actually brought up to me many, many times in conversation since is that I said, you know, you just, it, there's always going to be bad things happening. And I started to relate it. I don't know where this came from, but I, but I related it to the ocean, mm. the, the waves and the tides because they're a natural movement of the earth. And so, if you're sitting there and you're like, nothing's going right, I have nothing, everything's just crashing down on me and, and I can't even, it's like I can't stand up and I can't breathe. That's like the tide being out and you feeling like a drought in life yeah. and yet the waves keep on crashing on you to the point where you can't breathe and you're just like overwhelmed and you're not being able to stand up and you're not being able to make the right right uh, next steps in your life in order to be, to, to be able to get out of that slump or that hole or that addiction or that uh, that rock bottom. And then I said, but you have to remember this thing about the ocean, mm -hmm. <laughs> like relating life to the ocean. You have to remember this thing about the ocean is that the tide goes out sometimes, but no matter what, it always comes back in. Yep. And so when it comes back in, you have to be ready for it because that's a whole new set of waves. Mm -hmm. Those waves might like be lapping on your toes, like keeping you cool on a hot summer's day, just perfect, everything's great. Or they, even with the tide in, they might be crashing over you and you're overwhelmed and it's too much, too much goodness or even too much badness during a good time coming at you all at once. So when you're sitting there being like, victim mode and everything mm -hmm. is going so terribly for me um you just have to remember that everybody has those waves all the time and it's it's what you do during those different periods that is going to either prepare you for the next set of waves during an in or out tide or you're gonna just get crashed all over all over again because you you didn't take the time to put the necessary um, measures in place for you to handle the next set of mm -hmm. problems because they're always going to come, right? Totally. Yeah, I think our life is just really a series of lessons that repeat themselves until we, we our, our souls sort of <laughs> find the uh, the solutions. And I really agree with what you just Absolutely. said. I can really relate to the the tide and the waves coming. And I know that 
I, I mean, it's my my spirituality is more. I'm more coming from the Eastern sense, so it's you know people have the the yin and the yang, right? There's equal and opposite. So I I I've experienced this as well. When when I hit those low lows, I know that it's just a matter of time before something happens, and there you can I can ascend to those higher highs. So it's very much been my experience as well. And as you, I can't quote it so eloquently as you did, but when I hit those um, it's because of where I went, because I was at absolute rock bottom in life has propelled me to where I am now, where I'm releasing Elysium Project and I want to give back to the world. And I've realized that through, as you said as well, through giving back, it's through giving love to others. That mm -hmm. is when we, f we feel fulfilled, not from taking. And I myself, my path was more through addiction. So I've very much... Um, dealt with as you said as well a feeling as though I've got this myself I can figure this out all on myself I'm gonna you know and it's it's really ultimately I believe we just come to a point where we realize we need something beyond ourselves mm -hmm. whatever path you choose to go down to find that but we all you know we can't we're not made to go through life alone no. there's there's more to it than that there is, and that's funny that you talk about um, we're 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 just a human being by ourselves, mm. and we need to connect to something greater than ourselves in order to like ascend to that next higher level. Because um, I just did a Facebook live about this the other day. <laughs> I was visiting the halfway house that I was a resident in. Um, in 2009 and I lived there for six months and for those of you guys who don't know what a halfway house is it, that's where you go when you get released from prison but you still have a remainder of time left on your sentence so you're in essence serving prison in the community what they call reintegrating into society so you're 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 still under strict watch you live under um Correction Service Canada rules on parole in a halfway house with other parolees and with um, case managers and, and social workers and that sort of stuff. So just this past Tuesday, I went back to Burkana House, the place where I was a resident when I was on six months of parole. Um, sorry, six months of, of halfway house living. I had years left of parole. Mm. But, um, and, and I was speaking as not a resident, but as somebody who, I mean, in in the eyes of the world had sort of made that leap into reintegration successfully and started to positively impact the community around me instead of negatively impact like I used to so often. And I, I, I had to give this sort of speech to, to the women there to... Um, and make them feel more empowered and and make, and give them a little bit of information on the next steps that they're going to be taking in life. And for me, it was super, super important to give up all of those feelings of guilt and of shame and of suppression by the community around me 
of of who I had been in the past. Mm. Um, you know, I was I was I was a drug dealer. I got into armed standoffs with the police <laughs> on the front page of the newspaper, and wow. and and it was like I was ducking childhood friends at the Safeway in my hometown because I knew that they had seen me on the news and I didn't want to talk to them, and I I I was so full of this guilt and this shame that I didn't know what they would think about me. So. Mm-hmm. At some point in time, I had to give all of that up and not hold it within my own <laughs> body, spirit, mind, self, yes. and I had I had to release it. Um, so for me, by my faith, it, that that that's what Jesus came mm-hmm. and did on the cross for us, and um, with my speech that I gave to the women there is I sort of portrayed it as human beings are a finite size. We only have, you know, uh, 400 trillion neurons in our brain. We only have so many cells. We only have so many blood cells. We only have so many, we're, 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 we're specific size and the universe is vastly large incomprehensibly that that we don't even know the amount of energies and powers that is that are out there let alone what's inside of us that we i don't know how how small have we gone like a quark Oh, yeah. What, what's yeah. inside a quark, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and it goes infinitely down and infinitely out to the point where, like, how are we even supposed to think up these these English language words for <laughs> every single you know exactly little thing that exists mm-hmm. in inside and outside of us? So we're basically a finite vessel, to use a biblical term. So I I I, I told the girls we're like a bucket. So think of a human being as a bucket. We only hold so many, you know, milliliters or liters or whatever of water. So when we're born, we're we're this bucket with crystal clear, nice, bright, shining water inside of us. And that's given to us from the universe, from God. And as we start living um, through experiences and through circumstances and through relationships and through things that we do and things that others do, slowly a little bit of dust gets sprinkled into a bucket here and dashed into a bucket there and like dust and dirt and dust and dirt and dust and dirt every day of our lives until eventually our bucket that used to be nice clean crystal clear water that water is mud yeah and that's what we carry inside of our finite vessel Mm. of of a human being that we are and i had to learn that that my mud that i was carrying all day every day it it wasn't something that was meant for me to have to carry alone. Mm-hmm. That God was there, the universe was there mm. to help me carry it as well. But I had to do something in order to have that greater power help carry that with me. I actually had to give that mud away to it so you had to pour out your bucket you had to empty your vessel so that's what i found in my faith is that it gives me somewhere to put all of this mud and get it out of my spirit out of my heart out of my soul out of my body and that's leaves you with this empty bucket and what happens what is that the the theory of displacement or something what whatever whenever there's there's a void something comes back in and fills it right to get all sciencey a little Mm -hmm. bit so now you got this empty bucket and what does the universe do with empty spaces 
they it fills it <laughs> <laughs> so it filled it with with what is intended for you Correct. is what my yeah. thoughts are is that mm. the universe fills fills when you make a void in yourself the universe will fill it back with what was intended for you in the first place and not just what has happened to you by circumstance or wow. by your choice or by someone else's choice or by experience or actions. Mm-hmm. That's very well put. Mm-hmm. Really, I mean, I think a lot of people can relate to that. Um, myself, it was exactly the same. I just, through the years, you know, year after year, I'm holding things in. I'm not not talking about the challenges that I dealt with because I felt again a lot of shame a lot of guilt though all those same emotions and I kept holding that in until it was really only last year that I I reached a point where I was I wasn't suicidal but I had hit the bottom and I wanted my life as I knew it to end I was tired of that story that I was carrying around and I had to let it go and share it with other people and when I did that something magical began to happen and that is seems to be the case with Mm -hmm. you know people who have hit these lows and are carrying this stuff around with them if i i think i think that is why people who have hit these lows and who are suffering so much do ascend to those high highs because Mm -hmm. we come to a place where we realize we can't hold what we're holding in anymore Mm -hmm. um it's just not working we have to let it go we have to seek that that higher power we have to reach out to the to the community um and really what i think it is when when i you know think about it it's just it's just our our egos we hold the we believe we have we are these separate people with these personal stories and when we hold that in that kind of it just all that does is cause suffering really like when you let go of that like it was the hardest thing for me my addiction was as people know if they listen to episode one i've dealt with a lot of sex addiction so there was a tremendous amount of shame about that for me that really is i think one of the more shameful addictions for people to deal with Mm -hmm. um and I didn't want to talk about it, but as I began telling people one after one, and I just began healing tremendously. Um, and that's really the, the love of God, as you say, coming in and refilling my, mm-hmm. my bucket with, with light rather than the darkness. Absolutely, absolutely. And one thing that I've learned, um, when you're on parole and incarcerated, they put you through a million programs and they make you do psychology and, mm. and, and therapy and counseling day in, day out. So I've seen my share of leather chairs in offices <laughs> <laughs> and Kleenex boxes. <laughs> <laughs> but um, recently I've, I've started doing uh, counseling and therapy by choice because I find that 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 is a great release of of that mud as well. And during one of my uh, therapy sessions with an amazing Christian counselor of mine, uh, Dr. Paul Day, he's just the absolute best. I was, I was relating to him like my, my bucket and, and like, and like giving things up to God and, and, and releasing all this uh, guilt and shame. And, and even when you over overtake like too many responsibilities and you feel like like uh overwhelmed with with positive things too you have to give those things up too and um just go with what the universe has for you he told me that uh being in a position of of 
as a, as a counselor and a therapist, he takes on a lot of other people's stuff, which we often do every mm. day, mm-hmm. our loved ones, or maybe like friends in, in recovery or addiction or ourselves or our brothers or families or sisters or whatever the case might be. We take on a lot of stuff. And he said, one day I was sitting at the sink with a glass of water and he said, I was, and I was filling it up after a, a really heavy session with a client. And he goes, I went to take a sip of water and, and he goes, I, I just broke down and I prayed to God. I said, God, God, like I, it hurts me so much to hear everybody's stories. Like wh- what do I do with that? And then he says, said, clear as day. God said, fill up that glass again. So he goes to the tap and he fills up the glass. And then he says, okay, now what do I do? God? And God said, now pour it out. And he pours it out into the sink and then he goes, now what do I do now? Now God. And he goes, fill up that glass again. Mm-hmm. And he fills up the glass again and he goes, now what do I do, God? And then God says, pour it out. And then right then he realized you don't just empty that glass or that bucket or your heart or your soul or your mind once. You do it continually. Right. Totally. Every day. Yeah. All day. Because there's always going to be that dust and there's always going to be that mud and there's always going to be someone who hurt you and there's always going to be yourself letting yourself down and there's always going to be those missed appointments or that <laughs> totally. like, I can't function today because yeah. of whatever is going yeah. on. But you have to let those things go because it's the next steps in life that you take that are the most important ones mm-hmm. not the ones that you've already taken mm-hmm. throughout all the mud and puddles in the world right yeah that's that's amazing i think um that's if i had to identify a problem with the eastern religions because i'm sort of i've i have had a buddhist teacher and so forth and been through that path and there it's all about kind of finding enlightenment mm-hmm. and However, it's pressure, hey? <laughs> yeah, and it, it, well, it is, and people think that enlightenment means you're gonna one day just something's gonna happen and you're mm-hmm. forever gonna be at peace, and that's not the case. You know, you never get to a point where no one is so enlightened that they're beyond working on themselves. You know, we're always gonna run into scenarios in life. That is the nature of life on earth is that we're going to be dealing with these ups and downs and it's how we respond to those mm-hmm. that that defines our character mm-hmm. in the 12-step program as well one of the steps i can't remember right now but it's okay so you've recovered now you keep you keep continually taking a personal inventory mm-hmm. you're always having to evaluate yourself saying like is this is this the right action to be taking um so i love I love that. And it's, it's so cool because, uh, you're a Christian. I'm other than such, but to see the sort of (laughs) the interconnectedness between all of these different spiritual paths that it's really, in my opinion, anyways, all pointing to something very similar that Mm -hmm. I believe the earth is really lacking right now. I think, and I think, I don't want to get, this is a whole different discussion, but I think that (laughs) sort of modern science has made people arrogant to the fact that like we know all we know you know that all that didn't happen this is just this is the way it is there's no god and stuff and what's happened people are feeling an enormous lack in their hearts because of that um so i really do believe that in the 21st century here there's a shift that's happening i feel it. there's Mm -hmm. a shift happening people are waking up again because as we talked about with our personal stories, you get to that low, low, you're going to rebound from that. We, in the ni- uh, in the 20th century, you know, 
so many millions of people were killed in all these wars and catastrophes like the wor the world really we've really descended into a fairly dark age and mm -hmm. i think it's time now that we're collectively coming out of that mm -hmm. But that's a whole different podcast. <laughs> it, that, that's a mighty big ocean that yeah, just yeah. dropped into here, Brian. Yeah. But I do agree that that we have to come together for for positive things mm -hmm. instead of um, judging everybody so negatively on a regular day basis. Yes. And that sort of brings us into um, what I'm doing now in comparison to where I used to be. So um, the second half of From Prison to Philanthropy comes the philanthropic totally. part yeah let's talk about it <laughs> yeah so uh it was a year into being completely free and clear and you know i just want to touch on this one little point about about my freedom because god works in mysterious ways mm -hmm. and i love his <laughs> sense of humor but <laughs> i became free for the first time in uh, almost a decade of my life on friday the 13th <laughs> of September 2013. <laughs> so I've got this little <laughs> Roman numeral 13 tattoo. Oh yeah, yeah. That I that I absolutely love because God can take the the days that are like synonymously sort of there with like you, you know like spirits or 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 I don't want to see evil but like wicked wicked things or right. or um things of like the occult or something like that and he can take something like that and make it you know something to to remind us that he's behind everything no matter what uh, and he can make everything that is bad into good no matter what it is and so um i i was released on friday the 13th of september 2013 and then october uh friday the 13th of october 2017 just this past year um my brother was actually found innocent of a charge that was going to put him away for almost 10 years of life um and it was it was it was a big thing i'm not going to get into that either but it was so funny because when we went to the second day of that trial and he said misty it's friday the 13th and i'm like yeah josh do you remember what day i got out of jail <laughs> and then that was the day that he was found innocent of uh -huh. um of an aggravated assault of which the people came and broke into his house. Mm. So it's funny that, that, um, you know, the, the dark forces of the world were trying to, trying to put, uh, you know, a, a being of light and, and a being of, uh, my brother loves God just as much as I do. Um, you know, in, in, into a place of darkness and God's like, you know, <laughs> yeah. today is a day that I have made let, you all rejoice and be glad in it. It's what the Bible says. Today is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And so Friday the 13th is, is um, International Day of Freedom for, for Josh and Misty. So <laughs> we, <laughs> love, awesome. we love Friday the 13th in general. But from Friday the 13th of October 2013, um, fast forwarding into Christmas 2014, a friend of mine who I used to deal drugs with, and he was a part of a gang, asked me if I wanted to serve food for the homeless for Christmas that year. And uh, all year long, I had been, you know, doing random fundraising for the Elizabeth Fry Society, which helps incarcerated women, and um, volunteer work and that sort of stuff. And I really, really, really wanted to give back to the community that I had taken so much from. Mm. And I just couldn't find my niche, like where, what, what I was going to do, where I was going to go. And uh, this friend of mine 
belongs now to a biker gang that does good in the community that is specifically why they 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 come together is this this biker gang comes together to to help the less fortunate what's and to the, protect them what's the name of the uh it's called the crazy indian brotherhood <laughs> okay it's all nice. across canada nice. it's primarily aboriginal but my friend is um Oh, where is he from? Cambodia. Mm. So he's like one. He's like one of their main members of the station, <laughs> and it's amazing, and I love it. That's awesome. But um, so these guys really protect people on the streets who are being bullied or or beat up or or chased down by different like gangs and that sort of stuff or coerced into into becoming like um, mules for drugs and that sort of stuff so the, these individuals help those people they regularly do fundraising events and clothes and food and, and that sort of stuff so they invited me to come up to the Boyle Street Mission in, in Edmonton, Alberta to feed the homeless for Christmas and I was like oh my god like this is amazing because you're not gonna judge me for being in jail first of all that was my number one Mm. right I didn't want to go just down to the drop-in center in Calgary because they wanted my criminal record Mm -hmm. and I felt that guilt and I felt that shame so I, I, I got involved with this group who's not going to judge me and who wanted me there despite anything I had ever done. And so I joined them and I said, you know what? I'm like, do you, what do you think that they would do or say if I, if I brought my scissors and, and did some haircuts? And he's like, I'll call and see. And, you know, they're like, that's great. Sure, come on up. I did 31 haircuts that day. Awesome. All, <laughs> and it was, it was crazy. <laughs> Everybody wanted a haircut. It was the most amazing thing in the world. And when I seen how happy it made some of these people to have that personal physical connection with somebody else caring for them that was it it was all over for me i'm like serving others and giving back to the community was my new drug right that was my new addiction i was like there's no better feeling in the whole entire world than to know that you brought a tiny little bit of love into someone else's life even just for a moment and the ripple effect that that could create the the confidence to walk into a detox center or to walk into a job interview or even just to like smile and have a conversation with other people on the streets right is is enormous it i mean is. you know It might just be like a small drop in the ocean or a small percentage of people who take that next step from that haircut. But I live for that small percentage of people who are going to take that next step from the love that I give them. It reminds me of a quote, uh, Mother Teresa, we cannot do great things in this world. We can only do great things or small small things things. with great love. And yeah, totally. Love her. Studied (laughs) her when I was in prison. I studied all the religions of the world and Mother Teresa and Mm -hmm. this other woman mother uh sister sister antonia mother antonia okay. they eventually called her she was absolutely beautiful but um so today now i'm I, I transformed just doing those haircuts that one day into fundraising for a mobile studio in a van that i did haircuts out of for a couple of years until it broke down and then we did them out um on the streets with a large number of volunteers at that point in time until we could fundraise again and then get a bus and now um, there's been 
a new roller coaster, highs and lows, mm. waves and oceans yeah. of a different kind, of course, now. But uh, now I have that, that character built up in order to deal with all the new problems mm-hmm. in a much more healthy way than I used to. And so, you know, you, you, you get a bus and then like some terrible things happen and mechanics or different stuff like ups and downs but you keep on plugging on plugging Mm -hmm. on because you know that that next great tide is going to come back in and you you have to be ready for it so now in my lows i prepare and now we have this awesome, awesome handy bus with four haircutting stations inside of it. And we go out every single Sunday um, to go and do haircuts, food, clothing, and toiletries for those in need. So now we've, we've um, joined with many members of the community in order to do food, clothing, and toiletry drives. And now it's, it's become an actual network of people helping people. And the other mm-hmm. thing about it is that we don't prejudge people based on their past. I literally have some of my best volunteers ever are either um, recovering addicts who fall off every once in a while still. Mm-hmm. Um, they might be people who just got out of prison. They might be people who um, are living down at the drop-in center themselves. And they're the first ones to show up every single Sunday to help us set up. Already standing there waiting, expecting and anticipating us so they can get a taste of helping another in need as well. Uh, some of my best volunteers have been haircuts that I did one Sunday. And then every single Sunday ever since they have come back to help others in need. That's so amazing. And that's the most important thing about about care cuts as an organization that I've built. Is that uh, what I what are, what did I say on my website? Something about we are we are imperfect, flawed people helping other imperfect, mm-hmm. flawed people. Totally. Yeah. And that's well, that's what being a human is, uh, again, <laughs> which is why uh, the whole enlightenment thing, this idea that you're going to one day be a perfect person, it's not, it's not a reality. Um, enlightenment is just giving, let, letting go and letting God, really. So, mm-hmm. um, And do you have a, a website for your care cuts? We are at carecuts.ca. We are on Facebook as care cuts um we have a specific logo that you could find with our scissors with hearts totally, yeah. in the little um <laughs> finger holes with a pair of shears with hearts so that's our international symbol of care cuts <laughs> and you can find us on instagram at care cuts as well and on twitter we're not really that active but we hope to be at more active soon yeah um care uh, sorry, underscore care cuts, okay. I believe. Sorry I think less I and less people are using Twitter these days, but <laughs> I, c- I could be wrong. We're super visual because yeah. we like to show that love, right? Yeah. So we got photos of of, totally. uh, of people loving their haircuts and getting hugs and uh, receiving toiletry packs and stuff like that. Yeah. So Instagram's a big one and Facebook Live nice. is a big one. And um, you yeah, can you're find really... us on our website anytime at carecuts.ca. Yeah, it's really taking off. I've had a chance to kind of watch you over the past uh, year or two sort of build up this project. And oh. uh, it's very exciting. So. Thanks, Brian. Appreciate it. Totally. And I hope Elysium Project's going Thank big you. things yeah. too. So I'm really excited to see where this goes. Thank you. Totally. Well, that was amazing. I think um, 
I think I really enjoyed that. So yeah, thanks for coming well. on the show today, Misty. Thank you for having me, my friend.